you think about Father's Day and sometimes you go into a place of worship and a pastor will preach a message to dads. I've been in places of worship where I have felt where the message was geared at how poor of a father I am, how many mistakes I've made, how I should do this, how I should do that, and the what I should think and what I should say and how I should live as a father. But today I want to take time to really just talk about for a second the greatest father of all. That's a father that all of us who are believers, all of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we are all benefactors of the greatest father of all. And what's sad is many times we take so much time to focus on Jesus, and rightly so. And we, we very rarely take time to focus on the Holy Spirit. But I think we also do a disservice to the Father. Sometimes we forget to, we forget to remind ourselves that it was God who so loved the world that He sent and gave His only begotten Son. We forget to recognize His leadership. We forget to recognize that in the beginning God, and just start thinking about that, start meditating on that. And so today I want to celebrate Father's Day by talking about the greatest father of all. In Scripture, Jesus Christ referred to His Father. He, he referred, He said, My Father, in the New Testament, He said, My Father, 53 times. As He was teaching His disciples, He referred to Your Father. He was talking to His disciples and He says, Your Father has done this, Your Father this, Your Father that. And then as He was speaking to the multitudes, He referenced not only My Father and Your Father, He said, Our Father. He brought it all back. He circled the wagons, if you will, and he said, Hey, my father and your father is our father. Oh, he's one and the same. It doesn't matter whether it's my father, your father. He's still the same. Oh, man, he's the greatest father of all. What a day to talk about the greatest father of all. And just from a very brief portion of Scripture in Luke chapter 12, I want us to look at our relationship with the Father, His responsibilities to us in that relationship. But you know what? It's not just about His responsibilities in that relationship. You and I, men and women, boys and girls, we all have a role in that relationship. Just like I have a role in the relationship with my earthly father. Today, you know, everybody puts out Happy Father's Day on social media. First person I sent a message to this morning was my earthly father. And I thanked him for always putting God first, always putting his family first, always putting, putting that focus where it needed to be in my life, even when I didn't want to listen to that message. And I'm sure that there's others who can testify of days gone by, whether your father ever pointed you to Christ or not, of days gone by that in our own homes and in our own families and in our own friendships, in our neighborhoods, we may or may not have seen a lot of Jesus being lived out. But the reality is God, is, who is rich in His mercy, He's looked down and He's blessed us, and you're here today. You're sitting in this room today, and so you ought to be saying, thank you, God. Thank you for blessing me. And you may be sitting here and you may have never trusted Christ as your Savior. You may be just attending because it's Father's Day. I want to tell you I'm thankful that you're here. 
And maybe you're, maybe you're not sitting in this room, but maybe later on you're listening. You're one of our listeners to the podcast. I want to tell you, first of all, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. But secondly, I want you to know that it's my desire and my prayer today that you will choose Jesus. And when you choose Jesus, you will enter into a relationship with the greatest father of all. A relationship that is unending. And so I want to look at this relationship just a little bit. Look at Luke chapter 12. And what's interesting, before we get to verse number 22, if you kind of scan up in your Bibles or on your iPad or whatever you're looking at God's Word on today, if you'll scan up and you'll look at before verse 22, you'll see that Jesus is talking about this man who said he had it all. And he says, I have so much stuff, I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to do this. I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going I'm to have more room to bestow all my worldly goods. And then if you know in Scripture, or if you've heard that story before, you know that Jesus tells a man, he says, thou fool. He says, you're being foolish because you're focusing on the wrong things. And he tells that man, he says, today, tonight, thy soul will be required of thee. But notice now down in verse number 22. And he said unto his disciples, therefore. Therefore, whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, you have to ask, what is it therefore? He is referring to something that has already been said. And so, referencing the story that he just told, he says, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. He says, this guy was focused on things for his life, and I am telling you as the Lord, I'm telling you, don't worry about those things. He says, take therefore no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body, what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than those fowls? In verse 25 he says, And which of you will taking thought can add to his stature one cubit? And if ye then being not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? And then he says, Consider the lilies. He says, If you won't consider the ravens, look out here and consider the lilies. And notice what he says, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I want to talk about our relationship with the Father, the greatest Father of all. Notice with me, verse 30 and verse 32, very quickly. Just notice what verse 30 says. It says, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And notice those words, your Father. Jesus comforts them and he says, your Father knoweth that you have need of these things. And then if you look down in verse number 32, he says, fear not, you little flock. He says, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he refers to God as your father. And when we think about the title of God as being your father, our father, his father, it, it, it should actually, it should give us all some better and greater insight 
into who God really is, into what God is all about. And I'm just going to share, for time's sake, I'm going to slash the message right down to where the rubber meets the road, and I'm going to give you three thoughts about this relationship with our Father. And believe me, there's more to the message, but I think this is what God wants you to hear today. And so I want you to know that, first of all, this relationship with our Father, it's a personal relationship. It's a very personal relationship. God is not identified in His Word as some type of distant being that has no concern for His children. And when Jesus says, your Father, like I said, He is comforting His disciples. And by the way, by association, it should comfort us. It should comfort us to know that when we look at the ravens, when we look at the lilies, when we consider the grass of the field and how God takes care of all those things, it should comfort us to know that He is more concerned with you, He is more concerned with me. Why can I say that? Because the Bible tells me that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Oh, it's a personal relationship. Oh, He loves you and He loves me. And everyone who's been born physically has a physical father. Whether you love him, hate him, or in between, you got a physical father. And those who are born again spiritually, we have a heavenly father. And at the very moment, here's the really neat thing about this relationship. At the very moment that I repented of my sin, and that's a word that we don't talk about much anymore. Everybody wants to get in on the benefits of Jesus without repentance. But my friends, without repentance, there can never be any remission of sin. And so we must, we must come to the point of understanding that He is not only God, but that we must turn from our wickedness. We must turn from our iniquity. We must turn from our transgression. We must turn from our sin, if you please, and trust Christ, what He has accomplished on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And so when I think about this, uh, at the moment that I repented and I came to faith in Christ, I start thinking about some amazing things that happened. Think about it. At the moment that you trusted Christ, we were all forgiven of sin by Jesus. Jesus forgave us of our sin. We are also, at the moment, instantaneously, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But here's what I really want us to focus on today. And maybe this will be an encouragement to you as it was to me as I was reminded of it in Scripture this past couple of weeks. We are adopted by sons, by the Father. You say, what's the big deal? Look with me at the scripture that we put up on the screen. In Romans chapter 8, the Bible says this in verse 14 and 15. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, notice what it says, they are the sons of God. Ladies, stay with me because I know you're saying, thank you, Paul. There goes the male chauvinist Paul again. He's always talking about sons. How about some daughters? You don't want to be a daughter, a daughter in this verse. You say, oh, explain it to me. Notice what the Bible says. It says, they are the sons of God. Verse 15, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The word adoption in this passage literally means the placing as a son. To place as a son. If you look over at John chapter 1, in verse number 12 of John chapter 1, the Bible says this, but as many as received him, now notice the phrase, as many as received him. Okay, that's speaking of you too, ladies. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the what? The sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. 
in their article in, entitled Adoption, ChristianityInView.com, you can look it up, they speak of spiritual adoption by saying this. They say the spiritual use of the word adoption signifies the placing of a newborn child in a spiritual sense into the position of privilege and responsibility attached to an adult son. Now stay with me. It says the question arises as to why a natural born child needs to be adopted. Are we, are we not are we all after all born again? It is here that the true meaning of adoption comes into play. Because in the New Testament, the word adoption refers to a positional advance. The new believer is advanced positionally to his or her maturity, okay, and majority, even though at the time of salvation, he or she is spiritually immature, i.e., we see this in Scripture, known as a babe in Christ. Because spiritual adoption takes place at the moment of salvation, there is really no period of childhood experience recognized for any believer. The Christian has been placed into the privilege, the liberty, and the duty of a full-grown adult. When I think about that, you guys are saying, okay, there's got to be more to this, and there is, but you're just going to have to hold on for a second. When I think of the idea of being born again and adopted and the fact that it signifies our Heavenly Father has taken me, he, I am adopted, I ha am able to cry out, Abba, Father, I am become one of His sons. I think about the fact that He has placed me in His family, He has privileged me, He has moved me ahead to maturity as a child of God. I, it kind of blows my circuit breaker. I think, how amazing is that? That God is able to do that, to take a sinner who was lost in his sin and undone, and then positionally he promotes that person. That's an amazing fact when I start thinking about it. Listen, we're forgiven, we're indwelt, we're adopted as sons by the Father. You also, we become instantly God's children in heaven. We were singing earlier in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says this, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us, that we should be called, notice what the Scripture says again, what does it say? The what? Sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth not, because it knew Him not. Notice verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. You see, Scripture confirms Scripture. This is, uh, uh, John is writing here, it was Paul writing there, and we see that God's Word is consistent. Notice what it says. And now, beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Oh, what a day that will be. Oh, what a day that will be when my faith will actually become sight. Praise the Lord. I mean, are you excited about that? That one day, you know, faith is the substance of things not seen and the, uh, 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 is the evidence of things hoped for and the evidence of, not, of things not seen. What a day that's going to be when, when our faith actually becomes sight. I mean, I don't know about you. That gets me kind of excited because this old world seeks to pull us down at every turn. It'll beat you down. It'll leave you as roadkill by the side of the road. And I'm thankful that I am God's child in heaven. I am sealed unto that day of redemption soon and very soon. I will be going to see the king. I just as soon go today. 
My wife said, what do you want for Father's Day? I said, could I just have some rest? Could I just be left alone? Could I just have quiet? Anybody there? All the ladies were raising their hand. <laughs> I just want some quiet, please. <laughs> what a day that will be where my faith will be realized in sight. You know what? I kind of feel like on that day, that great and final day, when, I, when the Lord calls me home, this old knee ain't going to hurt anymore. I'm going to be, I'm going to be doing like, I'm going to be doing the Linda Snow. You know what? A few of us ought to be doing the Linda Snow every day. We ought to be excited in the relationship that we have with the Father. And that we can enjoy this relationship. Every one of these instantaneous gifts that God gives us should remind us that our relationship with the greatest Father of all is so very, very personal. I mean, he gives us a new nature, you know? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's not only a personal relationship. I want, I'm here to tell you it's a very deep relationship. It's a deep relationship. You ever have a deep relationship with somebody? Huh? You ever have a deep relationship where they know your thoughts, they know what you're going to say, they know what you're going to think, and most of the time they know what you're going to do before you actually even do it. Listen, it's a deep relationship. When I think about the extent to which God has proven his love for me and his desire for me to have a relationship with him, it's a deep relationship. Man, I think about the fact, I mentioned it just briefly a minute ago, we were lost sinners. We were lost. We were lost and dead in our trespasses and sin. In fact, Romans chapter 8, not only does it talk about the fact that we're adopted, but about seven verses earlier in verse number 7 of Romans chapter 8, the Bible says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal, and when it's talking about the carnal, it's speaking of an unregenerated mind. Okay, it says, but the carnal mind is enmity or hostile against God. That's what it means. The carnal mind, the unregenerated mind, is hostile with God. And it says, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. I think about Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners. See, we were lost in sin, but the Bible says that God proved his love for us in the fact that Christ died for us. And so, what an amazing thought to think about we were lost in sin. We were also slaves to sin. Ephesians chapter 2 is a classic passage. And I'm thankful that it just doesn't stop, but I want you to notice verses 1 through 3 to begin with, because see, not only were we lost sinners, but we were slaves to sin. Because the Bible says in verse number 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation or our conduct in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, here's the thing, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You see, because before we were in Christ, it was natural for you and I to be constantly, continually fulfilling the lust of the flesh. That's nothing odd. 
I mean, a lot of times people will ask me, say, well, this person doesn't know Christ. Well, then don't expect them to act godly. Don't expect them to make biblically-based decisions because it's just not going to happen the same way you and I did not make biblically-based decisions before we came to Christ. Now, someone may say, well, they're very moral people. Listen, anybody can see right and wrong, but it takes the Holy Spirit. It takes the Word of God. You know, faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God, yeah. It takes the Word of God to be communicated in the Holy Spirit to draw that person to the realization that they are lost and undone and that they are slaves to sin. And I think about what we were. We were lost sinners. We were slaves to sin. We were also doomed and condemned. In John chapter 3 and verse 18 and 36, both of those verses allude to it. In verse 18, Jesus says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed. See, there's a condemnation that comes with being apart from God the Father. And then if you look further on in verse number 36, the Bible says this, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not even see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Oh, my friends, this relationship that we're talking about today with the greatest father of all, it's a personal relationship. It's a deep relationship. And I think that's why it's important that the mission of Battlefield Baptist Church is now today and should always be to be focused on the souls of men and women and boys and girls, not only in Northern Virginia, but all around the world. I think it's important that we support missionaries. Listen, and the only way we support missionaries is if you will agree to pray for missionaries, if you will agree to support missionaries. That ought to be a focal point of this ministry, and if you ask me, it really should be a focal point of any ministry around the world. I mean, if all we're doing is meeting for the sake of singing a few songs and, you know, patting each other on the back and telling each other we look good in our Sunday clothes, by the way, you hear me a lot of times saying, I could care less what you wear as long as you just put on some clothes. Don't come up in here with your birthday suit on. Please, do me a favor. You know what? I told the people yesterday in the hike for hope they ought to thank me. I told the people that were around me I did them a favor by wearing blue jeans. I did not want anybody to see these, these pale white toothpicks of legs. I said, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just trying to be an encouragement to people. Oh, listen, folks, we ought to enjoy the trip, but we need to understand our relationship with the greatest father of all is personal. But it's also a deep relationship. I shared what some of us, I shared some of what we were. And by the way, that's not an exhaustive list. You know, the idea of being lost sinners, being slaves to sin, and being condemned and doomed. That's, that's not an exhaustive list. That's just a few of the things of what we were. But thank God for God. If you don't hear anything else today, hear that. Thank God for God. Because if you go back to Ephesians chapter 2, I stopped on purpose at verse number 3. But thank God for God. That the, ver that the Bible does not stop right there. Because see, verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2 and following, in verse 4 and 5, it says, But God, but God, who is rich in mercy for His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened or made us alive 
together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And if you go a few verses down in verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Listen, if I could earn salvation, if I could earn a trip to heaven, I would have done it a long time ago on my own. And that's the problem. we got a lot of people working their way, trying to work their way, if you please, to heaven. Oh, we don't need to work. It's already been done. Jesus said it's finished. He already accomplished that puppy. All we need to do is repent and believe and place our faith in Christ. I think about that verse. I always reference my son's favorite verse. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I asked Jared, it was no, it was no mistake this morning to think about the song that we sang earlier, how deep the Father's love for us. And as I was putting this message together, I, he wasn't, you know, I said, Jared, can we sing that song? Because when you think about the first verse of that song, let me remind you of the lyrics. It says this, how deep the Father's love for us. How vast, how vast beyond measure that He should give His only Son. Now watch this. To make a wretch. I'm pointing a finger at me. To make a wretch His treasure oh it's a deep relationship oh when we really stop to consider how deep the father's love is it's truly beyond measure it's truly beyond comprehension it's more than amazing it's more than wonderful it's like that old song it's more than marvelous the father's love in scripture we see that when Jesus arrived on the scene you know we see that the Jews were angry they got angry at Jesus you know when they got angry at him? When he started saying, my father. They got angry at Jesus when he started referencing my father. And then he started saying, your father. They were like, whoa, don't talk to us about our father. You, you, you need to come along because you're being blasphemous. He said, my father. And then he said, your father. And then he really angered them. Our father. You see, the Jews, they couldn't understand that. They got angry with those words from Jesus. You want to know why? Because in the Old Testament, they were used to calling out on God by some specific names. You see, when the Jews would call out to God, they would use specific names depending on what they needed. You know, they would call him Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. They would call him Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord our shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, uh, the Lord our, hearer, uh, our healer. And it goes on and on and on. But see, when they called out on those specific names, it was because they were asking God to do very specific things. But if I look in Scripture, thank gosh that we're under Jesus. I look over in Matthew chapter 6, and I look at Luke chapter 11. Jesus told his disciples, guys, I got some great news for you. God is not going to be appeased by you calling him Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shema, Jehovah Shalom. That's not what it takes. God just wants you to call him. Are you ready for it? He said, he just wants you to call him Daddy. He just wants you to call him Father. See, because it's a deep relationship. It's a personal relationship. Isn't that what he taught him in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11 when he said and he taught his disciples to pray, Our Father which art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he went on and on. Isn't that exactly what he was saying? He was saying, guys, it's a deep relationship. It's an intimate relationship when you think about it. Oh, my goodness. This relationship is not only personal and deep, but I close the message with this. It's an everlasting relationship. It's an everlasting relationship, and here's where I get excited, and you ought to get excited too. Because when I think about His love, and I think about His grace, and I think about His mercy, oh man, they're not just bestowed on Greg for a little while. Those things are not just given to me as a blessing for today, tomorrow, and maybe next month. Those things are put on me and given to me for all eternity. It's an everlasting relationship. We must understand this idea of adoption. And so let me explain it to you. The adoption as a son in Roman law meant that you had the same rights to the same name and the same citizenship of the person who adopted you, and you also had the right to inherit his property. Now here's the beautiful thing about the Roman law considering adoption of sons. This is why it's important, ladies and gentlemen, that we understand why Paul was saying to the church at Rome that you are adopted as sons. That's why it's important that we understand the consistency in God's word when John says that we are the sons of God. Because here it is. In Roman law, stay with me. In Roman law, an adopted son could never be disowned. Hold on. Hold on, guys. I, I, maybe you didn't hear me. Maybe, maybe I, I know it's going to come to you here in just a second. In Roman law, when Paul was writing and in context of what he was saying so that the people would understand exactly what he was saying when he said that we are adopted as sons whereby we cry, Abba, Father, they would have known that an adopted son could never be disowned. Now, that's really cool, but here's what makes it even greater. In Roman law, ladies... If a female was adopted, she could be disowned. A natural-born son, a natural-born daughter could be disowned. But an adopted son could never be disowned. Could never be disowned. Could never be negated. Once adopted, that son has the same privileges, the same rights, to, uh, the, to become an heir of those things that the father had in the family. Now watch this. Notice what John chapter 10 says. A classic passage for those that believe that we can never lose our salvation. But I want you to understand here what it is saying. Watch what it says in John chapter 10 verse 27 and following. It says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's Jesus speaking. Okay, so he's speaking of himself. But notice what 28 he says, and I give unto them eternal life. Jesus says, I have the power to give them eternal life, which is a beautiful thing, but notice it keeps on going. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. But notice what verse 29 says, and get ready to get excited. Because he says, my Father, which gave them me. What does he say? He says, he's greater than all. He says, my Father is the greatest Father of all. Because he says this, because no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Oh, man, that ought to excite you. 
You look over in John chapter 6, and they'll show it up on the screen in verse 37 and following. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And notice what verse 39 says. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me. Notice who gave them to Jesus, the greatest Father of all. He says, and of him which gave it to me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Amen and amen and amen. It's a personal relationship. If you have never told the Lord, I need you to forgive me. I need you to forgive me. I realize I am a sinner for the first time in my life. If you have never said that, you have never meant that from the bottom of your heart, I got some sobering news for you today. The Father is not the greatest Father of all to you. You see, because the only way He can be your Father is to have a relationship with His Son. See, that's the, that's the conduit. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the what? Father, but by me. The conduit, the pipeline with which you and I enjoy this relationship with the greatest Father of all is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In 1 Peter chapter 1, and I close the message, Jesus, the, the Bible says, Peter writing, says these words in verse 3 and following. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which according, now watch this, which according to whose abundant mercy? His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Oh, it's a personal, personal relationship. That relationship is so deep that Jesus says all we have to do is say, Father, I need you to hear me today. By the way, he already knows the desire of your heart. And the Bible says if we'll ask anything according to his will, he's not only going to hear, but he's going to answer. And so Jesus says, hey, call out unto the Father because he's the one that sent me. He's the one that empowered me. He's the one that flowed through me to do everything that I've done. And greater things is He wanting to do through you. And so when you pray, call on the Father. Oh, listen, it's a personal relationship. It's a deep relationship. But I'm so excited that because I've been adopted as a son, it's an everlasting relationship. I pray. Listen, you may be here and you say, man, I got it. I got it. Talking about the greatest Father of all. I put this, someone put it this way. When we seek and pursue the spiritual God, God will always see to the material. You see, that was the key in Luke chapter 12. Remember, he gave the story about the man who had all these riches and he was going to tear down his barn and build bigger barns. And Jesus said, hold on a second. He said, I need to tell you something. Don't worry about all that stuff because my father's in control. Don't worry about it. Don't fear about it. Don't fret about it because my father, he's aware. My father, he's able to add all those things to you. He said, just focus on the greatest father of all and it'll all be supplied to you. That's why he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. So I put down here, 
by way of closing, I'm thankful for my Heavenly Father today. And I pray that you too are thankful for the greatest Father of all. But to be thankful, you must know Him as the greatest Father of all. And so if you cannot say that with all sincerity, if you cannot say that with all confidence, then why not seek the Lord's forgiveness today? And on Father's Day, receive the gift of a relationship with the greatest Father of all. And if you are sitting here and you say, you know what, I get it. I hear you. The greatest Father of all. But deep in your heart, you know, and between you and God, you know it's been a long time since you sought to develop that relationship with the greatest Father of all. Why not call out on Him today and say, Father, forgive me. Father, Father, begin to change my heart. Father, begin to work in me. Help me to rekindle that relationship with you. Some of us need to call our earthly fathers and rekindle earthly relationships. But why not rekindle that relationship between us and our Heavenly Father? And then maybe you're in that last category of people here today. You'd say, Pastor, I know who the greatest father of all is and I'm thankful. Then I would simply say, why not come and tell him? Why not come and celebrate the greatest father of all today? You know, why not, why not come and bow your head and your heart as a family and say, God, I'm so thankful that you are the greatest father of all. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to be corny or anything, but it is Father's Day. And I would suggest it's his day. Why not give honor to the greatest father of all?